Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sunday morning, Top Rope Nation. It's episode 275. I'm Ryan Drosty. This is the AEW Full Gear 2022 review show. If you're watching our live stream right now, you see I've got a whole gang of fellas to talk about it, including, I'll just start off with this one, the triumphant return of one Justin Joint. Justin, welcome back to Top Rope Nation. Hi, everybody. Good to be back. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a long while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Boy, I I think I mentioned it on the only previous pod I've I've done since having the baby. But boy, the the first one, baby, that is really, really suckers you in to having a second one. Because, boy, our first one was just a dream. You know, slept all the time, was perfect. And uh, this one has not been. It's always more challenging. I found out with my second and third. Yes, it was... uh, progressively more challenging so my thoughts are with you justin i hope it gets easier but i'm glad this worked out with nap time on sunday morning to talk full gear and we got to hang out yesterday a little bit made our way up to toppling goliath brewing company in decora and joined the man that you see in the bottom right of the video stream who is still here in the cedar valley in iowa over at tim jensen's place right now calling into the show Jesse Velasquez, host of Wrestling Unplugged and Undeniable. You were on our preview show. You're joining us for the results as well. Welcome back, Jesse. 
Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm not going to pass up the opportunity again for the triumphant return of Justin Joint. <laughs> so right. I'm going to take you on about a 30-second roller coaster here because I'm old, I'm tired, I'm hungry. <laughs> I do not work with children. Aww. So now I'm going to turn this from a heel to a face promo because I have a nice little surprise right now. Just give me about oh, 10 no. seconds. What's happening? Standing up. See, derobing. Uh oh. Oh my god. Oh look. Hey oh, there we He's go. He's got the top rope shirt on. Very nice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have a top rope nation T-shirt. <laughs> there we go. Jesse, you are in this office that I am in right now. Just last night, not even twenty-four hours ago. And we gave you the colors, my friend. And I like to see you you breaking up the... Uh, we were all wearing black shirts, but now you've got the bright blue. That's such a beautiful Top Rope Nation shirt. Appreciate it. Jesse, were you were you able to escape Ryan's house with his uh, replica AEW belt? <laughs> Did you snag that on the way out? I thought about it, but I am a man of integrity, Justin. Ah, so okay. I, I could <laughs> not do that. <laughs> he thought about it, though, just for a, a split second. Uh, yeah, very nice. And hey, look at this. We got a fourth today. He's joining us from across the Atlantic Ocean. It's late afternoon over in the UK, making his, I believe, second appearance, second or third, second appearance on Top Rope Nation. Second, yeah. Okay. Patron of the show, Carl Longon. Welcome back to Top Rope Nation, sir, and, and for joining us just before supper time over there. Yeah, and um, obviously we've got a English champion now in AEW, so... What better way for me to join? And the um, the dark shirt or dark top doesn't reflect the mood of the um, show. I <laughs> like my first appearance, which was Money in the Bank, which was <laughs> yeah. at the other end of the scale to this show. Most yes, for sure. And also rocking the colors. He's got his Top Rope Nation hoodie mm -hmm. on. I You guys got to stay tuned. Go to topropenation.com. We've got the links to our stores there. Pro Wrestling Tees has a 20% off sale going right now. Uh, our spread shirt store where the hoodie is that Carl is wearing definitely is going to have a Black Friday sale this week. So stay tuned for that if you want some gear. But and, God dang, man, I love seeing that on the stream. Yeah, obviously you have your Top Rope Nation gear on and I'm not I'm not left out. I got the hat. Yeah. Wearing the hat. Oh, yeah. Got the hat. On. The limited edition hat. I've been thinking about doing a second run of hats because we just sold them in our Facebook group and uh, that was it. So when I made them, they, I had them custom printed and they were gone. So I need to do a second run. Stay tuned. Join the Facebook group. Link in the podcast description. All right, boys. Let's just get right to it. Full Gear 2022, as we do, start off with your grades A through F. I'll tell you where our listeners were at. We've got 102 votes strong over on the Twitter page. 47% A, 37% B, 8% C, 8% D or F. So overwhelmingly, uh, what is that? Yeah, the hell did those nerds watch? You always get your trolls, but 84, 84% A or B. So very strong, positive reaction to this. Justin, how would you rate full gear? Well, I feel like I, I was, or I am about to grade it on a curve, but maybe not because full disclosure to everybody who's been listening to Top Rope Nation. Obviously, I have not been a part of the podcast lately, and I have not really been watching very much pro wrestling, if at all. So I felt like I was coming into this show basically as a casual viewer, uh, not really knowing in depth all the storylines. 
um, not having watched much pro wrestling at all. So maybe there was a little bit of, uh, I, I didn't have any burnout going in and I had a hell of a time watching this show. I, I thought it was pretty phenomenal starting with the last match of zero hour. And especially that first like hour and a half to two hours of the show is, is some of the best stuff that, uh, I think AEW has done. Very good. So you, are you going a, oh yeah, sorry. A, <laughs> hey, I, I, there we I, I go. Think, yeah, I, I think uh, coming out of this show, they are exactly where they need to be. A new era begins. Yes, indeed. Jesse Velasquez, where are you at? This is hard. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, my gosh. Is there something in between A- minus and B+. Plus? <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> right there, isn't it? We were talking about this last night while you were still over. I upgraded it a third, as we had talked about. I think there wasn't anything I was really disappointed in, to be honest with you. I guess the only thing I was disappointed in was some of the match placement, as you would definitely know, Ryan, sitting next to me. That was probably my only complaint of the entire night, and the crowd as well, at times, I would say was a little bit off. So I will actually upgrade from B plus to A minus because I feel that the in-ring work was excellent. We had a, we'll get into the matches later, but I'm going to go A minus. I'll keep it short. Okay. Very strong. Carl, where are you at with us? Well, I'm the same as Jesse in A minus. Um, it probably could have been a little higher if I wasn't, quite irked by one of the match outcomes given the structure of it which we'll talk about but I think top to bottom given the background of where the promotions what promotions gone for I think they're exactly where they need to be and it's um, it's encouraging to come through the last three months to produce such a good show um, so yeah A minus okay I, I think I'll come in at an A minus too when we were talking last night Jesse we were we were both uh, right around that general area B plus A minus but then I was thinking about the conversation we were having right before you left last night. And we were talking about where does this rank with the other pay-per-views this year? And if it's in that mix with like revolution for best show of the year, I, I don't know how I can go below an A minus. So, um, I, th- I thought like in ring wise better than all out better, better than double or nothing. And look, I was at both of those shows. It's tough for me to say that, but you know, revolution was very high bar and uh yeah this was right there so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go a minus in the mix i'd probably still go revolution as the best pay-per-view of the year top to bottom but this is right there it's it's real close so a solid outing and we know like here on the pod we've been very up and down on where AEW is in in recent months i've been a little bit higher than than kyle has on the weekly television but i also thought that they had room for improvement but now we hit this kind of new era where we got mjf as the world champion we have, um, you know, the elite back in the mix. We've got a new women's champion. So they're trying out some new things. I'm very excited for the winter now and uh, what they got coming. And, and hopefully we get some good television week to week and keep everyone engaged. I think that we should start with the world title match and then we can go rewind and then go back through the card. All right. So, I mean, this wasn't an unpredictable card for the most part. If you listen to our preview show that we did, it was like i think we got two matches wrong jesse but i mean overall we mostly predicted them yeah and so mjf winning was was predictable but that doesn't it doesn't mean it's a bad thing 
you know, as we've often said on the show. And I thought that the finish with Regal, which we also predicted on the preview show, was well done. I have seen some criticisms on it online, kind of from different people. Not everyone was real high on how they did the finish, but I think it's pretty clear, you know, they want it's it's a heel MJF. They're not going babyface MJF, which is good to me mm-hmm. because I think a babyface MJF just doesn't work as well. I, I think he's always going to be this heel who people cheer because he's really good. But I mean, I, I don't want a full on babyface turn. So some people thought that that was coming and they didn't like the finish. But clearly he's going heel. If you saw the aftermath with the press scrum, he was awesome in that setting afterwards, too. And he healed it up on the media who were there. That was really good. Check it out on their YouTube channel if you didn't see it over on the AEW YouTube channel. But I liked Regal. It has me intrigued, you know, with what they do with Blackpool Combat Club now. I'm sure Moxley's about to get his well-deserved vacation. Um, but, you know, there was there was some discourse about how Regal came out and he stopped MJF from using the ring, but then he still handed him the brass nuts. I don't really have a problem with that. I th- You see that kind of swerve in pro wrestling all the time. And so I don't have to like try to rationalize that in my head of why he would stop him with the ring, but then give him the nux. He was throwing everybody off. That's what heels do. So, Justin, what what did you think of the ending of the show and the finish of the match and the match itself? I thought the match itself, before I throw it to you, I forgot to even throw my thoughts on that. I thought the match itself was fine. It was it was very old school, kind of slow moving. Um, the crowd was a little quieter at the beginning than I thought they would be, but they were also burned out. I think from two the two previous matches were very good. Uh, certainly the tag title match right before it was really good. So MJF worked really, really hard to get the crowd with them, you know, and get them into the match. And by the end they had them and you know, they popped for the finish. Good match. I, I wouldn't call it like a, it wasn't a, to me, it was not like a four plus star match. It was not in that territory, but it was a solid match with a good finish. What did you think, Justin? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're almost always going to have me when you have two top tier uh, sports entertainers uh, performing in the ring, and especially when the 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 story is, you know, grab a hold, tell a story, as the great Top Rope Nation shirt says. Uh, so that had me. It's funny. The thing that threw me off is I'm so used to blood in Moxley's matches that I kept like I never felt like we were nearing the end because like, well, I mean, blood's got to be coming from one of them. I mean, it's got to happen eventually. So that kind of uh, threw me off a little bit, but I agree. I agree with you for the most part. It, it, the outcome is the right call. You knew, or I think they knew that MJF coming back was going to get some babyface reactions. I think they dealt with it as best they could, but you really do. I mean, this guy, you know, he made his name with this heel persona. That's how he rose to the top was being a bad guy. And so I don't know why you would want to mess with that right now when he's at the top of his game. So I think they made the right decision. I am in that group that thought the, the ring and the brass knuckles and all that was a little convoluted. Uh, I, I was sitting there thinking like, okay, well, I know why they did the ring bit is to get William Regal out there, you know, and I knew why he slid him the brass knuckles is to show that, you know, they're both heels. But it was also like in the back of my head, I said, well, why didn't he just give him the brass knuckles in the back? And you can tell that story going forward on Dynamite and whatnot. Maybe there's a little bit of a gray area. Uh, but it was fun. I, I really enjoyed the match. Like I said, right outcome. Um, and most importantly is for, for somebody who's not been watching Dynamite and honestly hasn't had 
all that strong of an urge to watch it. I'm curious where they're going now. I want to tune in. I want to watch this show. That is the ultimate goal. So, I mean, yeah, they succeeded in that regard, Jesse. What did you think? I think the crowd was so used to the really fast-paced contests that we were watching throughout the entire night that when they threw it old school with Moxley and MJF that they decided to, I don't, they just sat on their hands a little bit and maybe were a little bit confused and maybe that's part of the reason why they weren't in it. But I love the old school psychology. I'm sure top rope nation members did too, because that's just the way this podcast has always rolled. So I also enjoyed the fact that Moxley actually worked heel in this match and MJF kind of worked the role of sympathetic babyface. I was, I guess I was fine with it. Newark, New Jersey's kind of an alternative reality just because it's East Coast. MJF's not too far from there. I kind of played into that fact, but by the end, you you clearly knew that MJF is the devil. And because as evidenced by pulling out the diamond ring to cheat, and then Regal coming out and confronting him. Bing bang boom. Here are the brass knucks, knock him out. And it's over. What caught me off guard was that that finished the match because Moxley's eyes were wide open, almost looking at the ref Mm -hmm. when the three count was being made. So my assumption was he's going to kick out a two and a half. And I thought MJF would have had to do one other thing to close it, but it was the right decision to knock him out, to knock him out like that and end the match. And of course we have the rightful champion, 26 year old Maxwell, Jacob Friedman, He's on the heel side once again, and there are a ton of faces for him that could that can be elevated here. He has a lot of stories that he can work, and it, it's much more compelling as opposed to having a face champion where the heel side is completely bare right now. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just to piggy off of uh, Jesse's point, uh, my favorite part of the entire match, which I completely forgot until you said it, was that teaser of what a Moxley uh, heel run would look like. I thought that was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy to me, and then I'll let Carl talk, is before rehab, I think we were headed towards a Moxley Mm -hmm. Moxley heel run, I think in November, after Full Gear, which we Mm -hmm. were in attendance for. I think that he was probably going to win the Eliminator Tournament, turn heel, and him and Hangman were going to have a match of winners coming. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. All right, Carl, give us your thoughts. Yeah, really good match. I think while the crowd didn't get into it as much as they did in other matches, it held my attention a lot more than um, some of the matches we'll talk about because of that old school mentality. You wanted to keep your eyes on it. I get the Alvarez criticism of the crowd looking to the back when the um, ref was knocked down and that sort of thing, but I think everyone knew there was going to be the regal turn. I think that was the that was the best option on the docket. I mean. Something with the, the firm would have been, would have fell really flat. Like all of you, I don't think MJF carrying the belt as a face. Okay, he's going to get cheered, but creatively, I just think it limits the promotion. And to me, him as a heel, I'm thinking to next August because I'm thinking about who's going to get the belt next. And I want him as a heel because I know the person I want to get that belt off him. So it made complete sense to me. The match I enjoyed. And yeah, I think. Mean, Hopefully now we'll see a you know a good strong run from NGF who can solidify himself when Moxley comes back. I'd like to see him as a, as a heel. Definitely would like to see him as a heel as well. Um, how we could get to that point, we'll see. But I think the phase run has been great. But yeah, Moxley as a heel is is shown in this match. He can do a really good job. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, just a couple of highlights from the match because it, it was, as we said, it was very methodical, old school pace. I'd probably come in at about three and three quarters if I was given the star ratings right now. I might have to re-watch it to, to get a more accurate picture, but just, just from memory, I'd probably say right around there. I'm sure Dave will get a, give it in the fours. Uh, it did take a little while to get going, though. As we said, like the crowd was a little out of it at the beginning. There was a moment in the in the match, I think it was this match, where they were looking off to the side where there was something going on in the crowd. Was that the main event? Yeah, someone someone got kicked out or something. Yeah. Were, I forget who it was in commentary said a lot talk about two uh, competitors. Actually, that was during the Swerve in Our Glory. Oh, it was the previous match. Uh, match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they were they were kind of sitting on their hands a little bit. But yeah, like, as I said a little bit ago, MJF really got him into it. Um, I loved that spot where MJF was running the ropes and like teasing that he was going <laughs> to take a dive to the outside, and then he just ran the ropes and posed. That was really good. Eventually, you had Moxley work on MJF's knee. Um, they go to the outside. MJF did the tombstone on the ring apron, you know, but it was selling the knee and how that took so much out of him. Um, then you had Mox work the knee some more. Um, they had the table spot on the outside. The uh, the avalanche paradigm shift off the top rope looked incredible. Mm-hmm. Great, great sell. And then MJF gets the ropes to kick out there at the last second. We all popped watching that live here, Jesse, myself, and, and Tim. That was a hell of a move. Um, but then, you know, they go into the finish, as we said. MJF pulled uh, referee Bryce Remsburg into Moxley's path. And then he went for the ring. Out comes Regal. Regal stops him from where from uh, using the ring on Moxley. Uh, and then there's a Paul Turner referee bump as he had come out to make the save and be the new referee. And then at that point, Regal slides the brass knuckles to MJF and he pops Moxley covers one, two, three. Not a lot of celebration in the ring, but again, he's a heel. So, you know, he holds up the, the title and pretty quickly made his way to the back. And that was how the show went off the air. So did, solid did- match. Yeah. Did you get some Shawn Michaels uh, WrestleMania 12 vibes from him, like pushing the ref out? Yeah, Granted, a, he didn't push out the ref there. out, but he definitely wanted Brett out of there to celebrate on his own. Right. Yeah. That's a good callback. Yeah. I mean, this is, it starts a new era for the company. A, new, a young 26 year old, as Jesse said, world champion. We've been waiting for this moment. We'll see how it goes moving forward. But I, I agree with what a lot of you said. Uh, him being a heel gives him a lot more creative freedom. And I mean, that showed in the aftermath in the press scrum. So yeah, really, uh, really good main event. And we've got the new champion. So uh, I think we'll just rewind now and we can just kind of go through the rest of the card. Now, I didn't see the pre-show, but uh, everybody was talking, including you, Justin, you were texting me. We were we went off to this burrito place and got some food during the pre-show. So we didn't get back in time to see uh, the Eddie Kingston-Akiyama match, but you were texting me that it was incredible, uh, at least the aftermath. Yeah, uh, I mean, this isn't saying much because I'm a 42-year-old dad, so I cry at everything, but I (laughs) I got a little emotional there at the end of the match with uh, uh, because obviously you saw how much it meant to Eddie Kingston to to be able to wrestle June. I mean, you know, this is one of his all-time heroes, the reason that he got into wrestling and fell in love with it, and the match was kind of what you would expect it to be a, a lot of chest slaps and exploder suplexes. Um, you could, you know, you could tell that these weren't the greatest athletes and maybe a, a bit past their prime, at least when it comes to Akiyama, but it, it was, it was a fun to watch and it was just made by Eddie Kingston at the end of it, very clearly getting emotional about achieving this dream of his, which also then led into his 
promo about why everybody should buy the uh, pay-per-view, which was pretty tremendous of itself. <laughs> Very nice. I caught I caught it minutes before we hopped on. We we oh, watched nice. it here and he he called MJF a scumbag. <laughs> that I I'm telling you it's going to come back at some point. There's going to be an MJF Eddie Kingston world title program whether it's short whether it's long please build it up though yeah yeah oh my yeah. gosh i mean i think that's what we as pro wrestling fans are clamoring for or and these two are so psychologically gifted that they're gonna make it very compelling yeah did you happen to see this one carl i did yeah and um it's like justin and jesse really enjoyed it the emotion from kingston the end was was fantastic i think with kingston it's an interesting one because like Jesse, I'd love to see the MJ feud. If they're not going to do that, I think there's an argument that they can do, work something out with New Japan to get him over there for, for a period of time. Having worked with New Japan on a more full-time basis, clearly they're working together with the Omega match now happening at Tokyo Dome. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe do some sort of swap if they could get Osprey maybe over for a period of time. Um, I just don't think Kingston's somebody would be wasting so much. And if they're not going to do MGF, this side of double or nothing, then put him over there. Keep giving something to do, keep him happy because I think if he's spinning his wheels, it's a bit of a waste really for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he can, he can showing what he can do and the emotion he feels, particularly if he's the Japanese guys. I would do that or have him MJF maybe as the first challenger revolution. That would be a pretty good opening feud. And um, well, yeah. to get beyond Winter's coming, obviously, with I assume mean, Ethan Page. Right. So, yeah, we had that discussion on the preview show. And so, yeah, elsewhere on the pre-show or zero hour, Ricky Starks beat Brian Cage. So now it's Ricky Starks and Ethan Page in the Eliminator Finals. The winner will face MJF in a title match. Winner's coming, we assume, uh, that, you know, MJF will definitely retain. And we had that discussion on Starks or Page and Starks, yeah, I was on the side of I don't really want to see him take the L because I th- I feel like the ceiling is so high for that guy. Whereas Ethan Page, you can kind of heat him up, give him a title opportunity. He'll lose. Everyone will expect him to lose, and you know, but at least he gets some some spotlight, you know, that he hasn't really seen. But yeah, Starks Starks got the win in the semifinals, and then uh, they opened with a ten man tag. So it was uh, Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta. Chuck Taylor, Rocky Romero, and then Danhausen defeating the Factory. So, uh, yeah, I have to go back and, and catch the pre-show. I didn't see that, but definitely at least that uh, the third match, Kingston and June, sounds like it was very good. So, I'll check that out. And then they opened the pay-per-view proper with the cage match: uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus, uh, paying homage a little bit to the first. Hell in a Cell match, it sounds like, from the comments Jungle Boy made in the press scrum uh, that uh, that was Luchasaurus's favorite match as a kid growing up. And so they wanted to pay homage to that a little bit, uh, both with the tights and, uh, I mean, the, there was a spot on the outside with the slingshot into the cage. It was, like, right out of that match, I noticed. Uh, we talked about that watching it live. Uh, the cage match, what did you think of this one, Justin? Well, I got to be honest. Um, I won't name names, but you know, before the show, I, I saw somebody talking about how they thought that this was the match that would steal the show. And I thought that was a ridiculous take. And goddamn, if they didn't almost steal the show, it's a bit of a cop out, <laughs> but I think I'd have like a three-way tie for match of the night. And, and this one be right up there. This was exactly what it needed to be. Great story. Uh, 
I, I think it might be some of my favorite uh, Jungle Boy stuff they've done. It you know made him look like a star, and obviously they're they're going to continue with uh, the Christian Cage stuff once he's fully healthy. Yeah, Jesse. I echo most of those sentiments. I this is where I was confused. The crowd was. I don't know if they were gasping because Jungle Boy. I, I called it Jungle Juice. At uh, yeah. the Jungle Boy, those are great. Yeah, yeah. Jungle Boy started bleeding <laughs> right away, and they threw him. Yep, threw him into the cage, and it was that part was fun. I was just maybe they were in shock and awe about that, but the the crowd took me out of it just a little bit, and. I guess, I mean, I was eating during this match, but I was mind blown. I was like, why isn't the crowd into this more? I think this is a fantastic opener. I, mm. and I, to me, I think if you were to watch this without audio on, you would, you'd be, you'd be like, yeah, this is probably match of the night or close to it. It just goes to show, I think that there is importance to, to, to crowd engagement when it comes to these events, because the, the two told a very masterful story. And I was a little bit concerned for Jungle Boy after the match with the elbow from the top of the cage. He didn't quite get all of it. Mm -hmm. But the right outcome turned out, and we are going to wait for Christian Cage to get healthy. He could be healthy here very, very soon, and we can continue that food and can, or feud and continue to elevate Jungle Boy further. Um, I think thinking about it here uh, the one thing that really kept it from being my match of the night is kind of similar to waiting for blood in the main event is you had checkoff's table there in the back of that ring for like two or three just incredible near falls but you're watching these near falls and you see the table back there it's like well they're not going to go to the finish until somebody goes through that table so that that would be my only kind of negative of the match yeah Oh, it was a tremendous comment by you, Jesse, live when you're like, oh, that's a different kind of jungle juice. <laughs> <laughs> he bled all over the, I mean, it was thick. Yeah. Carl, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I absolutely love this match. It Probably I watched the Helen's Hell match fairly recently, the Bad Blood one. So it's fresh in the memory. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love this. I think, yeah, the crowd was an interesting one. I didn't pick up on it too much because I was watching this at 7.30 in the morning. So my volume was quite low on the match. Um, so I didn't pick up on the crowd being as quiet, but yeah, it, thinking about it, yeah, they were quite quiet. I don't know whether it was a maybe because of what happened at um, All Out and because Luch John started so fast. I thought, are we going to get fucked again? And he's going to do another quick job, potentially not overpowered. But I thought I booked it really well in the sense that he wasn't, Luch John was completely dominated. Then he get the, the Superman come back at the end. It was actually more lead and Jungle Boy wore him down bit by bit and tenacity got him there. Yeah, I I referenced who I'd belt next year all out and it's Jungle Boy. I think if they can book him, um, he's the obvious contender for me right now as a, as a face. There's a natural story there with MJF going back to there, I forget, in 2020 they had a match, I think, a few match. It's, it's basically going to go through Christian, I, I would suspect, probably double or nothing. I don't think Christian will be back before before then. So it's a big it's a big punt to put the belt on him, but I think he, he's a natural one. The only other guy is Darby Allen, and he's spinning his wheels right now. And we'll, we'll come on to him later, but I think if you're going to put it on to an up-and-coming game face, it's him. Otherwise, you're going backwards to someone, someone who's already had the belt or is established. But, yeah, I think that's where we're going to go, hopefully, anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, to the comments about the crowd, it was, I mean, I don't want to pick on New Jersey too much. And I know that uh, we had some patrons who, I know Alan was was at the uh, the show, but the crowd was not their best pay-per-view crowd they've had. They were kind of dis- disengaged throughout, I thought, at different times. So they could have been a little bit louder. We're used to the AEW pay-per-view crowds being incredibly into the shows. And it was kind of up and down throughout. They had They had their moments, though. Um, but yeah, this was, it was just an excellent opener, really good match. Did you guys happen to see what, what, uh, jungle boy Jack Perry did in the press scrum afterwards? Yeah. The, the punk homage. I'll put the picture up on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> had the dried blood on his face. Uh, he was eating pancakes at the podium. Yeah, That's tremendous. A, a shot at CM Punk. It was. That's funny. tremendous. <laughs> Uh, yep. Before we move on, uh, I don't quite have the memory of a, a Kyle Ross or a Ryan Droste, so maybe you guys can correct me on this. But for me personally, if I have seen it before, I've forgotten about it. But I really loved the small thing of Christian Cage sneaking up behind the ref on the outside to just kind of pluck the steel cage keys away from him mm, to go unlock yeah. it. I thought that was really well done. I don't recall seeing that exactly like that before. Not off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah, the dance like better than Ed Starlet at uh Crown stool, definitely. What I actually did to get there. <laughs> There's a Condor two promotion there straight away. Uh, they go 18 minutes and 40 seconds in that opener. So yeah, hot match to start. This this is a uh, this is an over four star match to me. Uh, then they go into the six man for the trios titles, Death Triangle defending against the Elite. Now this is one that we did predict wrong, although a couple of announcements here. Uh, number one, Jesse, you just wrote up the article for SE Scoops. You're, you're going to have Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP US title, it looks like, correct? And uh, so. we are we are also going to have a best of seven now between Death Triangle and the Elite, which could take us into January uh, for the trio's title. So Death Triangle retains here. Very shocking to me. We'll get to the best of seven here at the end. The match itself, um, for the return of the elite to have them come out to Wayward Son by Kansas was pretty incredible. incredible. Yeah, that was that was quite the entrance. Uh, and you know, we talked about this going in. All of these guys have had just unbelievable matches together. We know Kenny and Pack have had good matches. We know uh, uh, the Lucha Bros and the Bucks have had some awesome, awesome matches in the past. We were there for it, Justin, and at All Out last year, the mm-hmm. cage match. And so, you know, knowing that the elites coming in, it's their return. You know that they're going to want to prove a point that they're they're ready to go. And boy, did they ever! It was a hell of a match. You got the FCM Punk chance early on with the Bucks clearly enjoying that as they were on the outside. Um, yeah, I mean, Justin, your thoughts on on this uh, second match of the card? Yeah, I, I, my favorite part of them coming out to that song is the lyric, uh, there'll be peace when you are gone, I feel like is a direct shot to CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, really enjoyed this match. I was, maybe this will be Jesse's point, uh, so I don't want to, I don't mean to step on your toes, but I was really taken aback that this was second on the card. But it totally made sense once you saw the finish, which I was completely fine with. You know, let's let's keep this feud going. It could end up being too much of a good thing but i mean you know for the next few months we're going to be seeing some pretty incredible matches i i wish i could remember who said this this is not mine this is somebody else's I, I forgot who it was but 
they made a funny comment that uh, Kenny saw that Osprey has the lead on five star matches, so he probably wanted you know these best of seven series to try and play catch up. <laughs> Jesse. I completely forgot to make this prediction on the preview show. I said it was going to be an automatic 5.25 star match, according to Dave Meltzer. This was before. (laughs) I think he's going to go a little higher. I think he's probably going to go five and a half. How in the world this is, you you mentioned too much of a good thing, Justin. How can they do this six more times? Yeah. I mean, for those who really take diligent notes and want to go move by move, I feel bad for you having to do, having to describe what took place in that match. I sat there with my mouth open the entire time, just going, This is incredible. This is exactly what I expected. I knew it would be in ring match of the night, but they, they over delivered. And I don't know how those six guys can continue to over deliver almost every match that they have. So, to, again, to do this six more times, it, it could be a death triangle sweep, likely won't be, but. My gosh, it's just, how, how do you differ, differentiate match to match to match to match? That's going to be hard. And, and, you know, and especially with where uh, match seven is going to take place, it, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that it's going to get to that point. So it takes a little Los bit Angeles, of the drama. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The forum. So it takes a little bit of the drama out of, you know, the next five matches. Uh, but, I mean, they're going to be good. <laughs> Yeah. You also loved that they took that week off in between January 11th and December mm-hmm. 28th for a reason, because January yep. 4th falls on a Wednesday. Yeah. Carl, your thoughts? Yeah, incredible match. Uh, frenetic action was all I could really write down in terms of notes, because you just you're looking up at your screen every t- all the time, trying to see what's happening. I think the best of seven is going to be really good, but I probably would have preferred them to build to a rematch where to probably to build on this match have a bit more story weaved in because it was just hit, 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 hit. Whereas these six cards with such history together could build a match that could, you know, I don't think it would break the melts of scale, but it would, you know, it would push the melts of scale up to the, to the limit. So that's the only thing. Whether they're going to do that, whether they'll use a best of seven series to get to the match is so the finales at in California and the next event views in California. So you could conceivably do that, but I think this is more they're not convinced about Death Triangle holding the belts all the way through to the next pay per views that are probably doing this to create excitement around the Shreya's title because other than these two teams, they're the two headline teams. I don't think they've got much else until Cole comes back and that might not happen by the sound of it. So what they do there, we don't know. Mm-hmm. If if I set the over and under for what the highest rated match for Meltzer will be for for this series, if I set it at six stars, would you go over or under? <laughs> I think over. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd go over as well because it's Meltzer. Yeah. A push. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna. Go, it's gonna hit six somewhere. It's not in the Tokyo Dome. So true. That is true. I, Garland, Texas. I, I got the schedule up in front of us here on the, on the stream. Match two this Wednesday night in Chicago. They go Indianapolis a week later. Uh, two weeks later, Garland, Texas for winter is coming. Um, then we've got uh, New Year's 
uh, or no, Holiday Bash, match five in San Antonio, if necessary, then New Year's <coughs> Smash in Denver, December 28th, and then match seven, if necessary, at the Forum in Los Angeles on January 11th. So, yeah, I I think it's a bit much. Personally, that was my initial response to this is, boy, seven matches? You know, I'm not going to complain about watching these guys wrestle seven times, but to Jesse's point, I don't know. It's going to be tough to top that first match. It also just logistically... You know, if you're a trios team, would you have kind of a problem with like, why, why do these guys get to wrestle them seven times? I I want a shot at the championship. You know, <laughs> like for the next month and a half, nobody gets a shot. You know, so there's some issues there. I mean, they could have done best of five. I I don't I don't know. It's a lot of mat. It's a lot of trios matches, but I'm sure most of them are going to be bangers. And you know, in the end, we're not going to be too disappointed. So yeah, I mean. The story of this match, really, even though it was the Elite's return, it ended up being the story of, of Ray Phoenix and him turning into a heel, you know, and him not mm-hmm. wanting to use the weapon throughout the match. Um, Pack had, had given the timekeeper hammer to him earlier in the match, but he refused to use it, and he ended up getting a V-trigger from Kenny Omega. Uh, but in the end, after, you know, some back and forth, lots of false finishes, Phoenix finally did use the weapon and uh, ended up pinning Omega to shock the crowd. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody going in expected the elite to win the titles in this match, as we did. This was one of the two that we got wrong. So, yeah, I mean, awesome match. Awesome, awesome match. Over four stars. Yeah. I don't, I'll, I'll be curious to see what Dave gives this one. But, yeah, it was – I'd probably come in around like four and a quarter, four and a half on this one. I mean, it's it, it's up there. So, yeah, they go from this, and then Jesse, you predicted this, and you predicted pretty much the placement of I think two of the three women's matches throughout because we're like, all right, where do they go now? And you're like, I know Tony Khan, he's going to put Jade on next, and he did. <laughs> so, in the death spot after this one, we get Jade Cargill defending against Nyla Rose for the TBS Championship. This one was only eight minutes. It felt like longer than eight minutes. At least according to Wikipedia, it was eight minutes. I wasn't running the stopwatch. But this one was, now I said on the preview show, matchmaking-wise, I was a little concerned because we got Jade, who's very green still. Uh, Nyla's been up and down. She's been pretty good recently, but also one of the worst matches in AEW pay-per-view history back at Revolution 2020 with Chris Statlander. So I thought it was a little risky. It was not a real good match. It was okay, uh, I, to me, the structure of the match was the problem. I didn't like how much Jade sold in this match. I thought that that was a problem. I thought she took too, for someone who's supposed to be this unstoppable force, I thought that she sold too much in the match. There was also an issue with her wardrobe. She was very concerned about popping out of her top, which took away from the match. She was constantly having to adjust her shirt. Um, but yeah, I mean, too much selling for me from Jade in this match. She won as we expected. Uh, and we knew this was going to be one of the weaker matches on the show, Justin. But what did you think? Uh, to your point about the match, all I can really say is I am what I am. And I was distracted for all the same two reasons that uh, Jade Cargill was distracted for the match. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a problem, Jesse. She also had a tug on her bottoms for when Nyla came off the top ropes, too. So <laughs> she had a lot of wardrobe adjusting with the Thundercats. Yeah. Shout out to Tim, of course, who pointed that out immediately. I remember watching it a lot in my childhood, but I don't remember much about the show. But 
cool that she's playing these tributes. I I did enjoy it, but I also agree with with Ryan's sentiments that Jay did sell a lot and obviously put in the awful spot of being behind Death Triangle and the Elite where I joked that they should have taken a 45-minute intermission to give whoever <laughs> had to follow that some time to like or to give the crowd some time to come back because they're not going to be interested in this match whatsoever mm-hmm. yeah. so i mean it it wasn't awful but it wasn't great so it was somewhere in between good and fair i actually thought it was a decent match and these two put they worked hard i will definitely give him that but nothing you could do with that crowd mm-hmm. carl yeah it was horrible placement for them um because it shines a light on all of jade's weaknesses being in there with something like nyla the spot on the rope, you could see her sort of adjusting herself because she now hadn't dumped her down properly. That's not her fault. That's the director's pro- fault for getting the camera away. It, yeah, it wasn't good, but I don't think anyone expected it to be anything other than that. I would like them if they're going to continue with Cargill as a face. Put her in with a good heel worker. Give her, give her a chance to actually look decent rather than making it, you know, putting her against someone who did do a lot of good work in the build-up. And I like the low-rider spot at the start. I thought there was some yes. nice heat there with Eddie, with Eddie's wife there with, with her. I just think now it's, you know, we're going to go with Cardinal as a face, put her in there with some decent the next pay-per-view because she's not going to develop against someone like Nyla Rose. She's only going to develop with someone decent in the ring. I don't know who the good heel worker is they can put her in with, but they've got a few months now to sort of find that answer. Yeah, I mean, so we we had each with their uh, they did each other's finishers. You know, we had uh, we had Nyla use the jaded at one point in time. We had eventually uh, Jade use her finish and get the victory, but she also used Nyla's beast bomb at one point during the match. So yeah, too much selling by Jade for my taste, but the right finish, the obvious finish, and then they go from this to the Ring of Honor four way which got the second most time on the show, only behind the main event, 21 minutes uh, and change. Brian Danielson, Claudio, Sammy, challenging Chris Jericho. Freaking awesome match. What was not awesome was JR's announcing. Jim Ross was uh, not not real good on this show. Someone, I think, mentioned in the, in the group that you can tell when, when Jim isn't into it. And uh, I'm sure if Kyle was on this pod, he would lay into Jim Ross right now for his announcing. But early in this match... Uh, Ian Riccoboni said something about I've been with Ring of Honor for the last 10 years to which Jim Ross immediately chimed in I'm sorry burying oh, Tony Khan's uh, God. <laughs> purchase come on Jim what are you doing <sighs> <laughs> uh, yeah but I mean as I said this was I mean, you would expect with these four guys going in it would be an awesome awesome match and after this one when you look at the first four matches we were three for four with three awesome awesome matches Justin did you like this one I loved this match. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the right person won, and I'm, you know, talking about being interested in the product going forward. I am super curious as to uh, J- Chris Jericho's direction with the title and who he will be facing at what I assume to be final battle. Um, also, this might be a great time to talk about uh, what's going to happen with Blackpool Combat Club now that the namesake of you know, the group is no longer part of that faction, you would think. Uh, but my other big takeaway from the match is it's 
funny. It's I don't know how to feel about Sammy Guevara because a lot of times, you know, with promos and whatnot, he he has go away heat for me. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in the ring and it's like, yeah, I like Sammy Guevara. He's he's a really good professional <laughs> wrestler. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And yeah, it is going to be interesting with Blackpool Combat Club because you know, Wheeler Yuta tweeted out, I think the official AEW account retweeted him, effing snake about uh, William mm-hmm. Regal. You you wonder if Regal is going to, because we know Mox is going to take some time off now, I would assume, getting that vacation. I wonder if he's going to try to sell the rest of the guys on. He had to he had to get rid of Moxley. He was a weak link or something like that and try to keep the rest together. I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm curious to watch on TV. But you know, we had we had Sammy and, and Jericho, you know, going at it in this match too. Um, we had Brian and Claudio, you know, shaking before the match. They had respect for each other, but then they were they were battling. You had a lot of false finishes here. Like they got me to believe maybe they were moving the title to Brian, you know, briefly. I, I assumed going in Jericho would retain, but they got they got me believing. I, I mm-hmm. bid a little bit that Brian might win the title. Um, so yeah, Jesse. I slightly bid on the Sammy Guevara, I think, well, his version of the TKO and then going to the top with, I believe, either a Centon or his 450. I mean, finishers galore in this one. I really enjoyed the physicality. It felt like a Ring of Honor World Championship match because you looked at each competitor's chest after the match and Brian Danielson Danielson specifically, it it, it looked like raw meat. Mm -hmm. The European uppercuts that Claudio's known for, tremendous. I mean, Claudio is Ring of Honor. I mean, he's like the embodiment of what they're looking to put that brand or just kind of to, yeah, like what that brand is supposed to be. Same thing with Brian Danielson. Jericho, I'm I'm thinking again, and I've said this many times, that they are keeping the championship on him to sell more pay-per-views here in a few weeks. I think my biggest question now is when does Daniel Garcia reemerge? And who is he going to confront Jericho? Is he going to confront who defeats Chris Jericho? Because I'm very curious how they're going to reintroduce his character after this pay-per-view is over. Yeah. Carl? Yeah, really good match. This was probably the first time I noticed the crowd. Um, they fell quite flat during the middle section of the match, which I was like, this is interesting. But, uh, you know, it's a credit to all four guys. They've got them really back for the, for the last song, from the last third of the match. They really got them back. Great match. I think Jericho is someone who he gets a lot of flack from the internet at times about, you know, he has had some real stinkers. In, in this promotion, but give him, uh, give him a bit of credit. He was over the, over this way touring fairly recently, and to come back and put on a, a solid match, he's still got all the little bits. He needs one of the best pointers in wrestling. There's just something about Jericho when he points at someone that cracks me up. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, God, I mean, I would like to think they've got a plan for Brian to do, for Brian to do something, you know, a lot better. Danielson, sorry. Get that mixed up all the time. Uh, I think I did the last podcast as well. <laughs> I just did it yesterday. Yeah, um, I hope they're going to give him the belt at some point because I'd like to see him have a run run with either AEW or Ring of Honor belt. But great match, and yeah, clearly Jericho set got the belt to get by, which makes complete sense to me. Yeah. No, I mean, like the build of this match was not much, but I, you know, they let the guys kind of just sell themselves. They're like, look, you're getting these four excellent workers together, and they didn't disappoint. Uh, the finish was a little messy, you know, um, Jericho goes for the Judas effect, like maybe 
hit Claudio a little bit, but then he lands on Sammy. So like you still got that friction between them two. Then he, he gets up and he, and he hits the, that Judas effect elbow done on Claudio again, gets the, the pinfall. So, I mean, that was the only negative is the, the finish was a little bit messy, but I mean, freaking awesome match. I mean, well worth going out of your way to watch. And so we're you're three for four at this point in time, you know, early in the show. And then they go into Soraya's return against Britt Baker. And, uh, you know, I think going in, we all said on the preview show, Jesse, myself, Matthew, that it's Soraya's return after five years. She's got to get the victory. And uh, we were curious how they would do it. We were curious about what the, the crowd response would be to this because, you know, Britt very much sold herself as a baby face on Wednesday night. Uh, the crowd was very much behind Soraya. I thought they might be a little more negative to her. Um, Britt always gets a good pop, but yeah, I mean, Soraya, they had her brother ringside. They kept showing him throughout the match. It wasn't like a, a classic by any means, but I think given the amount of time that Soraya has been off, they delivered what they needed to. Uh, so Justin, did you miss this one? Yeah. Um, to, you know, step back into Daddington corner a little bit. Uh, my boy who's, who's five, finally pooped after not pooping for a while. So I, I had told him if he poops, then he can stay up later, which uh, also led to him fighting bedtime when it was time. Uh, so, you know, I'm not a religious man, but the Lord works in mysterious ways. Because of that, I, I missed this match. I missed the next match. And, and, and praise be, I missed Jeff Jarrett. So I'm going to be taking a step back for these next three matches. I didn't see him. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, Jesse, it was, uh, as I said, a decent match. I didn't have like super high expectations. The crowd mostly behind Soraya, although they were kind of in and out again. Like the crowd wasn't super hot for the match. Um, by the finish, they had them. But what did, what did you think? Again, Tony Khan's death spots put a women's match behind something yeah. that had the crowd up. And that's a problem for the women's roster i i don't uh, somebody has to talk to him about it i guess i don't i don't envy that position that that's why i mean the 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 match was good i felt that saray after five years she looked she looked solid i i was pretty impressed with her work that little spot in the very beginning was kind of weird when she landed on her neck and kind of held it and the crowd stopped, the ref stopped, everybody yeah. stopped. And then she got up and kind of just jogged around like, I'm fine. The crowd didn't buy into that. Again, I think it's the hangover from the match before. The right, I felt the right person won. And I don't necessarily know. And the crowd, again, thankfully didn't crap on her winning this match like I thought they would after Britt's babyface promo on Wednesday night, which was, uh, yeah, didn't know which direction the crowd was going to go. So the match, was, that, it was fine. Do you think that that promo was Britt? Because we know they have a lot of freedom on the mic at AEW. Like, do you think that she kind of went off on her own? Because she maybe felt a little slighted personally that, you know, she's got to give up some spotlight again to a WWE person. Or like, cause it was a little odd how she portrayed herself as a baby face there, <laughs> you, you know, like it was out of nowhere. I, I don't know if that was Tony's intention or, you know, she just kind of did her thing and that's how it came off and there wasn't much oversight, but it was a little weird and it made you, it made you wonder how the crowd would respond in this match. What, what do you think about that? Do you think it was 
intentional or you think it was her going into business for herself? What do you think, Jesse? To a lesser degree, I would say yes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that that's just kind of the, the liberation that AEW performers have mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And I think, to be honest, that could be what's been turning some people off of the product maybe the last month and a half is it's really becoming like inside baseball is not inside baseball anymore. It's truly become just like who who can who can make the marks on on Twitter, who who can make us wrestling fans pop the most by saying something that's going on backstage kind of draw mm-hmm. and completely eliminating kayfabe. So, yeah, I mean that's that's something that they're going to have to work on I think going forward as a promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Carl. Yeah, as a as a proud Brit I'm not a big fan of Soraya, in all honesty. Um, I actually used to live 20 miles from where she um, grew up. But I will give her credit. So she's been away for five years. She didn't look like she'd been away for five years. I was concerned as the match was developing because it would obviously Soraya was going to win. I was like, she's taking a lot from Brit here. So I was concerned the crowd might she had to finish when she won because effectively she'd come back after five years taking everything Brit can throw at her and won. But the crowd reacted well. Her brother could probably do looking at Jungle Boy's mum and sister as to how to be a family member in the crowd because <laughs> when they were on the outside, he did distract a little bit too much. He was the noisiest person in the crowd, which at times in the show was good because we needed a bit of noise. But, yeah, it's interesting to see where to go. And Britt was the best person to do this because she, she, you know, she can take a defeat. It doesn't matter. And to the point about um, Soraya and Britt giving back and forth, Soraya was very, very keen to put over Brit in the press conference, in the press room, which I thought was quite interesting. So potentially there may have been a bit of actually, and I think she she did the rock thing from Mania 19 where she went on and took Brit after the match and thanked mm, yeah. her. So clearly there's, there's a respect there. I think there's there's been a bit of blur in the lines that maybe they need to get a little bit away from in, in the promotion a bit because it's, it's inside baseball, as you say, and it's, it's not going to get anything other than the hardcore fans, which they need to grow their audience ultimately mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Maybe assuming people are more plugged in than they are sometimes Massively. that they're going to. Massively. Say, All yeah. that was a big one for that, with a card yeah. being structured within the last two weeks, pretty much. Assume people know what's going to happen. It's not going to grow your audience to get casual fans in. However many casual fans exist now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm very curious the direction for the women's title here and how Soraya could possibly play in. So we'll get to Jamie Hayter winning the well the interim for now still a women's title. But I mean I'm curious if they hotshot Soraya into that title picture very quickly and then you know how Brit Brit would factor in with possibly some jealousy. Although you know she was she was there for her partner when she won the title later in the show. But uh, uh, I'm I'm wondering if Jamie holding the title will take us into that final finally getting the split with Brit and then Brit challenging Jamie and that's how they get the title back to to Brit Baker eventually but I don't think Soraya should be world champion anytime soon um yeah then you might say where do they go with her I think it would be a little risky you know given the injury history and and what we've seen from this promotion over the last few months to put a title on her very quickly but also you you just beat Brit Baker so I mean that puts you into consideration pretty quickly so we'll we'll see what happens this week and if we get any clues. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have super high expectations. I thought the match was decent. 
Um, the finishing sequence was Soraya went for a full Nelson, but Baker escaped, put on the lockjaw. They had these these like roll ups back and forth. Uh, Baker went for the ripcord, but Soraya hit her with a knee strike, two count. Baker was unable to hit the ripcord elbow, a spinning neck breaker, a curb stomp. Soraya kicked out. Uh, then Soraya hit a charging knee and the fisherman's driver twice to get the victory. So yeah, a death spot again for the women. Uh, but they pretty much needed, they pretty much did what they needed to do. So they got, uh, just over 12 minutes in this one. And then they go to the TNT title match. Uh, the triple threat, Samoa Joe powerhouse Hobbs taking on the champion Wardlow. One of the, the two matches that we did not get in our preview, Jesse did not see this one coming. Um, Samoa Joe now with two belts, the ROH TV title, and he is now the AEW TNT champion as he pinned powerhouse Hobbs. He, he took out Hobbs. Wardlow didn't take the fall, but they moved the title off Wardlow. And I got to say, Jesse, I was shocked. We both were. Nobody saw that coming. I did say I did have the question of how many Ring of Honor performers were going to lose on this night. So I was actually kind of happy to see Samoa Joe get this moment in spite of the fact I don't know where it's necessarily going to fit storyline wise. I will admit one of my biggest pops of the entire night that I think everybody missed in the Drosty household was Wardlow's top rope. Whatever in the world that was. A guy that oh, a 275 yeah. pound guy that can do that, where you just overshot him. But I was just in absolute awe. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> dude is so skilled. He shouldn't dude, that be was, doing that." That, that was crazy because I was, I was off pouring a beer when that move happened, and I, I looked up right after it happened. And you're like, "Did you see that?" And then I'm like, "Oh, I'm sure they'll show a replay." They never showed a replay of that move the rest of the match. I couldn't believe it, so I had to look it up on Twitter to see the clip. But yeah, incredible agility for a guy that size. Sorry, I have on. to, I'll be quick. I have to wonder, and this is a, a point that, that Tim made, if now this sets up Wardlow to immediately go into MJF and then Hobbs chases Samoa Joe. Also kind of leaves the question of what they do with the Ring of Honor television title, who's going to face Joe at final battle. And I think he's probably going to lose that championship there. It's just a matter of to who. But I definitely enjoyed this match. These these three put on a really good show. But with, it, with there being four matches on the card already that were just, no, three that were outstanding, this just kind of fell into place just a couple notches short. But to no fault of their own, it was a, it was a fun match. Yeah, yeah, that Wardlow move off the top was a highlight for sure, Carl. Yeah, fun match is the best way to describe it. You know, you've got three big guys there with the twist from Wardlow with a couple of aerial bits he did, which were a lot of fun. I like I like Joe as the smart badass heel. I like that as a character. Like Jesse, don't quite know where it fits though with him being without now being a dual champion. Is this maybe a way to plug Wardlow into Ring of Honor and maybe put? And bring him on a world championship on him potentially if they're not going to put the AEW ring championship on him because if he goes against MJF, I don't want to see him lose. So mm-hmm. that that's the issue you've got. And a, yeah, he's probably you know one A one B in terms of who would you know who would be the face to get the belt of MJF. But you know, maybe put, maybe having that ring of honor picture and having beat Jeff because that's a big name for him to beat. That's you know in in a few months time, but. If that's not the case, and it is blurring things a little bit, I don't quite know where this leads with with Joe. But 
I love Jamal Jones. See him get a you know good win and a bit of shine. That's great because you know he's been underused um, in since the Ring of Honor has been instituted. So hopefully he can be someone who can build that brand around when they get TV. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the finish was um, Wardlow and Hobbs going at it. Wardlow hit him with a couple of power bombs. He goes for a third. Joe comes in, takes him out with the TNT title. Joe locks on the Coquina clutch and Hobbs for the for the finish. Yeah, it's. I assumed if they move the title off Wardlow, which I wasn't a fan of, said that on the pre-show or the preview show that uh, you know they're going hard with him right now and it should continue. If they did move it to Hobbs, I thought Hobbs would beat Joe. I am glad that Wardlow didn't take the finish here. I guess Hobbs chasing Joe for the title and getting the title off Joe makes sense. I mean, it's going to be a brief chase, though, if they do that. Uh, I, I just don't really know the benefit of, of moving this title over to Samoa Joe, if that's the case. I guess you get a couple of weeks of build out of that, and then you get the belt on Hobbs. But Hobbs has had so much momentum recently that I feel like they got to be a little careful with this because if they don't strap him up and they don't go all in on him for lack of a better term and, and uh, he doesn't become a champion, like this is a guy who could get disgruntled and, and go to greener pastures. He's, he's a guy that they could lose to WWE. They could make him some promises. Uh, I mean, the guy has a ton of potential. And so I, I think they got to be a little careful with how they book him here. You know, he didn't get the title here. Maybe he will within the next month or two. Uh, very shocked, very shocked. But Joe, a dual champion now. I'm sure the Ring of Honor pay per view is going to play into this somehow because it's just in a couple of weeks here at Final Battle. So we'll see what happens. At but. least they didn't make him look weak, taking yeah. two power bombs and then the Coquina clutch. And I think the other thing is maybe Tony Khan's logic is Hobbs is going to get a very big rub by defeating a legend in Samoa Joe for the TNT Championship. Yeah, and like a singles match will put more focus on that than him doing it in a triple threat for sure there is uh somebody online who who seems to you know kind of be in the know with inside stuff i won't say who it is but uh they did make a a vague comment that there are you know all capitals big things coming for hobbs so i'll be curious to see if that Mm -hmm. rings true we shall see all right and then (laughs) justin you mentioned God works in mysterious ways because uh, you're dealing with your son here, which allowed you to miss the the Jeff Jarrett return to the ring here on pay-per-view. And uh, boy, Jesse, we were pretty negative on this one as well, watching it live on our preview show. I just don't need to say to see, as our buddy Tim Jensen put it, the Triple H of TNA on, <laughs> on a AEW pay-per-view in 2022. I mean... Going in, this match just really did nothing for me. Darby's been spinning his wheels. You know, it's always cool to see Sting, of course. But yeah, Jay Lethal, a good performer. Emphasis on the performer side. Uh, this was, uh, I mean, it was all right. Uh, they gave him 11 minutes. Sting took a, he he did his, his bump, you know, out in the crowd, jumping off the concourse and overshot the opponent. So that was a little scary. But. I mean, yes, what Sting continues to do in his 60s is just just incredible, Jesse. Um, you were very thrilled to see Jeff Jarrett back, Jesse Velasquez? No, Ryan. <laughs> no. Not good? I, I Not effing good, Ryan. It, it was better than I thought it would be. I will give them that. The Satnam Singh chokeslam to Sting scared Ooh. the living hell out of me yep. for Sting. 
Satnam Singh's involvement was interesting. And when Darby went for the coffin drop off to this to the stage, and Satnam catches him, and I'm like, oh, was he going to throw him into the eighth row? And then just gave Darby probably the ninth biggest bump that he's had in 2022 onto the ramp. It's worried he's going to break his arm the way he fell. Yeah, it's it, it's Darby. He's just this. This is just his reckless style. This is the way that he. This is the way he wants to go out. I think that. I wish that Jarrett would have taken the pin. I think that's really the biggest negative I have for this match. It's like Jay Lethal is an actual AEW contracted performer. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Jarrett is too, but he's more of the front office. But let, let's be real here. It just, it, Jeff Jarrett should be the one taking the pin. It's, it's just, yeah, come on now. And again, Sting must pose, as I've said numerous <laughs> times. So still undefeated in AEW. And at least he's healthy, uh, as far as we know, Carl. Yeah, it's it's it faulted to Kobe. This match didn't need to happen, um, but it was better than I expected. Mm. But then there's the the Saturn Sting element, and just the, the lack of logic. And then they go to a little wrestling segment. It's like, hang on a minute, it's been complete blunder. And you're now gonna have like this five minute segment where you do a bit of wrestling, and it goes back to interruptions. Like, that makes no sense to me. And yeah, Jarrett's just taking the pin. I'm glad Darby got more shine than he has been in, in previous matches of Sting because it's been a little bit of a Sting show. I'm a bit done with this Sting, not experiment, but I'm a bit done with this Sting thing with Derby. I want Derby to go off and do his own thing now because it's, it, you know, Sting, I think Sting does need to retire. I'm not one of those Twitter warriors that's tweeting Sting needs to retire, but for his own health, it's going to go wrong at some point if he keeps diving off things and overshooting and, putting himself in there with people like Satnam Singh is going to end in disaster at some point. So, but yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be the one last match with Moot you would expect. So, Sting was posed because Moot is not going to be, um, he's not going to be wrestling anyone going to lose, as you said, Jesse. It's, um, <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes. So, that's the retirement, hopefully, with the Moot match, whatever that form takes. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh... As you mentioned, Darby um, getting the pinfall and uh, with the coffin drop on Jay Lethal was the finish. Yeah, I was I was shocked that he took that Sting took that choke slam from Saddam Singh. It was it's a hell of a bump for a sixty three year old man to take. I'll just say that from a guy that size. So a little risky, but he looks to be okay at this point in time. So carrying this over to the women's interim championship, which in the press scrum afterwards. You know, it sounds like they're still evaluating Thunder Rosa, and if they are going to keep that interim tag line on the title, I think they should just drop it. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, how long is she going to be out? Uh, I think it just takes away from the performers to call it an interim championship when it should have just been the women's championship all along. Uh, Jesse, we both noted this live watching it. If you want to see an example of someone having the boo-boo face that they're going to lose the title, Watch Tony Storm's entrance because it was all over her face when she came out. You know, we predicted on the preview show that Jamie Hader would win the championship. And when we saw that entrance, it's like she's definitely winning the championship. It was, you could tell from a mile away that Tony Storm was losing this match. And um, I think we made the, it was either you or Tim made the comment that in the main event, like, look at John Moxley. That's how you don't give any clue that you're going to be losing the title during your entrance and i i tried to give her a break i was like oh you know maybe she's 
maybe she's playing into the fact that they're friends and she's sad about having to fight her friend and what they said in the build. But no, it was it was the boo boo phase, wasn't it, Jesse? It was. I do have a question though. Did did Shawn Michaels book this match? <laughs> Too many near falls. Holy NXT spam finishers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That that's my only negative. I think this match went about five minutes too long. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Crowd was really into it. I think Jamie Hayter got the biggest pop of the night when she won, maybe up to that point, which goes to show just how invested the crowd is, number one, in in Jamie Hayter. And then after all that they had seen, that they had enough energy to actually, yeah, to have that reception for her. So Tony Khan made the right decision by putting the title on Jamie Hayter. I thought the match was good. I thought it was a very good match. I just cut about five minutes off of it it was really interesting to me to see Britt baker as well come out and help jamie Hayter. Yes. rebel did as well of course she came out first but Britt came out i don't who who knows what people were expecting at that point but again it just a little too long and a way too many false finishes i think that was the case a lot in these matches tonight or last night at AEW. was just the the, the the false finishes they become too trope and they gotta slow that down yeah it was uh we by the the second or third one uh we were like all right you know enough of this if they're gonna do the the finish and they're gonna move the title just do it quit with the teases and it it got to be a little too much i was yeah when Britt came out at first you know we've seen her cost jamie of course in the past i was a little concerned that maybe she wasn't gonna win the title um but you know this is all gonna play into this title picture now moving forward i guess you know building up her jealousy probably and eventually having the match between the two of them. But here it was the flip side. You know, she helped her out in the end by removing that turnbuckle pad. And um, basically what happened was uh, Storm sent Hater into Brit. Brit falls to the floor. So we think, oh, God, Storm's going to re- retain here. But then Storm charges in, runs into the exposed corner. Instead, Hater, Hater hits the Hater aid to win the title. So, uh, Justin, you saw this one? I did. What'd you think? I fucking loved all the false finishes. It, it you didn't drew, think it was too much. I liked the no, first few, but it got I, to be a m- bit much for me. It sucked me in, uh, because, you know, we were expecting the hater yeah. win, but then I started really questioning it with it, with all the false finishes. Like, Oh, well, God, are they going to do the, you know, the, the swerve in our glory acclaim thing from all out again and piss off this crowd. Uh, That's what we are worried about. We we're talking yeah. exactly about that. Yep. Um, but I do think, you know, I'm, I'm a simpleton in, uh, Tony storms busted nose really added a lot to it for, for that finish. So I, I, yeah, I was fully invested for, for the last five to 10 minutes of that match. And you know, maybe that goes back to my original point where I, I don't have as much of the burnout of fall finishes and kicking out because I haven't been really watching all that much. Right. No, I mean, it was an excellent, excellent match. I mean, these two are two of the best wrestlers in the women's division. So, I mean, it put the focus on the wrestling for sure. We, we can nitpick on on how many false finishes they should have done. But in the end, they made the right call with Jamie Hayter going over. I think if she had lost here, the crowd would have revolted a little bit. Uh, Carl, your thoughts? Yeah, to the to the bottom, the false finishes. Yeah, it did feel a little bit like um, Cole Gargano from... Oh, take over New York, where they did the false finishes that really sucked you in. Wasn't possibly as well done as that, but it did build that suspense of, 
I think I've the fans here, and that made us probably made the pop better on in in the arena, which is good. Definitely the right decision to put the belt on Hater because if they hadn't done it here, they probably would have missed the window. Um, there was, you know, all out. We probably thought have they missed the window a little bit here with not putting the belt on Hater, but they haven't. And I think there's a great story here with Britt Baker down the line. I think to tell. However, to do that, I think that's going to be a really, really good thing to watch. And I think now. Sort of on the road, I think. I think it's a simple decision for me. Take the belt off her because if she does come back, she's not Miss Popular. So I don't know who's going to be queuing up to work with her other than JR, based on his Twitter um, replies to her some of her posts. But I think, yeah, have a lot, have hate to get the belt for, you know, have the belt for a long time now. Give it a good run, a good couple of pay per views of the belt because. Playing hot potato with a belt doesn't work and, you know, build something long-term with Britt Baker and her and see where the chips land. You know, Kate is still really over as a face and Britt can go full heel with her in a good programme. I think that's what this women, women's division needs. More matches like this in a good position, not in a death spot, rather than just checking them out there just to get them on the card, actually, you know, put some investment in this division. Mm-hmm. I mean, to your point about Thunder Rosa, when she was around as the champion, her title run was on fumes. She didn't feel like she had any momentum at all. Forgettable, absolutely forgettable. And yeah, so, she's a good yeah. she's a good wrestler. Just once she went, I think she peaked before she got the belt. The Britt Baker thing was was the peak, and that was a bit of a problem. I had nothing after that, but yeah, you still got to do it in the ring, and she didn't really do it bell to bell, despite you know storytelling wise. I mean, Let's, hindsight, hindsight wise, I think, and I, I said it on our shows at the time going into Forbidden Door, I was stunned that she beat Tony Storm at Forbidden Door. And I think if you knowing what would happen after, they definitely should have had Tony Storm win the title at that show. So go ahead, Justin. Sorry. Uh, I guess first thing I want to say is I'm kind of bummed out that it's only 11 a.m. here in you know central United States because I keep seeing Carl take drinks of beer and I'm pretty jealous. I, I don't know. I. <laughs> Might have to crack one open after the pod. Um, <laughs> Got some just, Guinness in the uh, in the refrigerator, Justin. I do, I do. Sometimes Sunday mornings you're watching football, as they call it, oh, in, the yeah. in the world with the Guinness. Yeah. Um, but real quick, touching on the interim thing and Thunder Rosa, I just want to say that I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do the interim titles thing, but I think it should be treated situate, you know, by each situation and by star power. And especially like, you know, it made sense to me why they did that with CM Punk, but now with Thunder Rosa, to your point, Ryan, the the title reign was on fumes anyways. It seems like she's going to be out for quite a while and she just doesn't have the star power to, I don't think it's going to elevate whoever the interim champion is when they come back and have the eventual match. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would like to see Hater have a, a pretty lengthy reign. I mean, she's a great example of a home a homegrown star here in AEW. The crowd loves her, and uh, you know we've seen the rise happen over the last couple of years organically. She was tremendous in the post show scrum, very well spoken. I mean, she's a great person to have with the championship on her, and yeah, creatively, there's a lot to look forward to with with the whole Britt Baker dynamic. And so, I mean, yeah, the the right call. Jesse said it, possibly the biggest pop of the night when she won. So a really, really great moment here. And uh, yeah, we thought we actually thought that this might be the semi-main, and we were a little concerned with match placement, but they gave them their shine here. They've actually put this on before the tag title match. And so this was really good. Yeah, you said it, Justin. 
Tony Storm with the blood and the way she was like maniacally screaming in frustration was mm-hmm. visually incredible. Really good stuff. Real so quick. Was, yeah. I'll be quick. It's it's strange. Thunder Rosa's character over the last, let's say, three years and how strong of a presence that she has in uh, the women's pro wrestling world, that her backstage demeanor in AEW, it, it almost sounds contrarian. It doesn't sound like her. I know how strong a presence she has. She runs her own promotion in Texas. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't really get this whole chemistry thing and what's going on back there. So I'm hoping that maybe time away will mend the fences and they can make things right. But Jamie should definitely be the flag bearer moving forward. Yeah, no question. All right, tag title match. The third match between Swerve and Our Glory and uh, definitely going to be the last one at least for now, because they're playing into the the break or the, the split up here with Keith Lee and Swerve. Uh, you know, the other two times these two have had matches, incredible match at All Out. Um, the one at Grand Slam wasn't quite as good, but still memorable because of the title change. This was a memorable entrance here for Swerve as he came out with the LED mask on. And Justin, you texted me like right away in this match uh, how much you love Swerve Strickland. Yeah, that, that dude just, you know, you talk about, guys who have it and you use all the words like intangibles and swagger and charisma and that he just oozes it that he is just cool he is just fucking cool and what i texted you immediately was swerve fucking rules yep (laughs) and so does max caster look they gave him a uh a second verse last night give this guy a second verse all the time he was hilarious uh, he hit on Kanye West, Twitter, Jay and Silent Bob, Monsters Inc., Blindside, you know, going after Keith Lee. I did see uh, in the post show scrum, there was a funny moment with Will Washington, who I know you're familiar with, Jesse, uh, and uh, Max Caster going back and forth because there was the, I mean, in the Wednesday night's rap, there was a line in the rap about how they don't place family members in the media, the acclaimed, because Will is cousins with Swerve Strickland. And so in the post-show scrum, Will said something along the lines of like he quoted the quoted the line from the rap and he was like, what's up, man? And, and he didn't want to address it. And then Max said something about he doesn't like the media or whatever. That was a pretty funny moment in the post-show scrum. But Max Caster, as always, was was tremendous on his rap heading to the ring. And this was a excellent match. It was to me was definitely better than Grand Slam. Not, not quite as good as all out but an awesome match and eventually with the split with keith lee walking out on his partner which i am happy about because i really like both guys but i've i've said it on the show and it was one of the reasons why i was advocating for the title change it all out so hard is i wanted to see swerve get some shine as a single star this this guy can stand on his own and and we're finally going into this breakup storyline with him and keith that should be really good the the match itself justin your thoughts yeah really enjoyed it um I agree with you. It, I don't think it can touch the all-out match. Uh, it was superior to Grand Slam. It, it was just what I, I think it was perfectly laid out. The the finger clipper thing is a little hokey, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's like that's where you border on like, eh, should he be going to jail for this? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it made sense in the way they used it to lead up to the breakup, and uh, I, I loved you know, all the work on Bowen's shoulder during the match that they used. Uh, I, I, he could use a little bit of work of selling it 
full time in a match like that when it's getting worked over. It always annoys me when it, that injury will just disappear for a five minute stretch. But I enjoyed the match. Uh, once again, you know, the story of this show for me is like, if for the most part, there can be arguments made, but it seemed like the right people won. Uh, and, and nothing overstayed its welcome for, for too much. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of Jesse's opinion on the last match. Yeah. Jesse, your thoughts? Yeah. I think MJF, Jamie Hayter, and the Acclaimed are the correct choices right now for this promotion. And that's what makes everything more exciting moving forward in 2023. As for Swerve Strickland, Ryan, you're definitely familiar with how high I am on him. And I think they're going to eventually shoot him to that number two spot if he's not already there in the heels side of things in AEW. His character work has just been unreal and we we know what he can do in the ring but now you're gonna get to see a different side of him moving forward and anytime i can get him in 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 keith lee on my screens at the same time i'm i'm all for this feud and everybody's gonna be elevated because of it now the question is and of course i mean i'll let probably let carl go into detail a little more about the match and you as well ryan but i'm anxious to see when ftr gets slotted in here to become the next challengers to the acclaim they're obviously heading to japan here wrestle kingdom the roh pay-per-view as well i i maybe they're gonna be the ones to take the titles off of them who knows but let's just all this let's just enjoy this organic rise of the acclaimed while we still have it and let's just hope it it that it doesn't wear thin like some acts do hopefully that Mm -hmm. they can continue to make it fresh on a week-by-week basis to your point about the champions and the being the right call, I mean, this is we know AEW has struggled with some criticism of former WWE people getting too much shine over their homegrown talent. But I mean, look at where they're at now. Lay of the land. Of course, Joe with the TNT title is the exception, but MJF. I mean, he had he was making a name before AEW, but this is where he became a superstar, no doubt about it. World champion, right? We've got the acclaim, homegrown stars, tag team champions, right? So Jamie Hayter homegrown star women's champion so they're putting the focus uh jade of course so they're putting the focus where it needs to be i think and and that's a huge positive of where this promotion is at right now heading into the winter uh carl go ahead sorry your thoughts on that show this match yeah really good match i agree with all you guys probably second of the three matches i had for sure um i'd like strickland a lot i think he's one one of those guys that he's got it but it's it's not just one thing, it's everything that he's got. He just, he just has to walk out and it looks so cool. And that's something you cannot teach at all. I think, yeah, to Jesse's point, they they will probably shoot him up to number two heel spot at some point in the next six months. The television's an interesting one because other than FTR, I'm not at all sure where you would, who you place the, the acclaimed next challenges. The problem with FTR, they've got so many belts that uh, there is that element of, they're probably too good because they've got the belts. Other promotions don't want them to lose. So if they go against the acclaimed, the acclaimed are going to do the job, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Is there an argument maybe that you put two guys together? Maybe, you know, if Blackpool Combat Club do stay together, they don't go down the trio route with them. Do they put Claudio and, you know, Daniel together and then go, okay, well, you know, do something with that. They'll have some good matches with the acclaimed. 
it's difficult because there's no real other ready-made team than an FTR, and I'm not convinced that would be the best thing for acclaimed. Um, they're over, but the FTR are so bloody good, and I think you want to give them a bit, you know, a bit more time on the belts. I would probably keep it on until double or nothing. I don't see why why they can't, you know, have that sort of length of run with the belts, you know, build a division around them, and then maybe have the FTR match when they've dropped one or two other belts because. Yeah, FTR holding all the tag belts in the in the world is is a cool thing for FTR, but it's not very good for the individual promotion to try to buck around them. That's the problem there. But yeah, ultimately, it's just good to see the acclaim get the get the win again, and hopefully, Strickland and Lee can have a good series, and that'll be a lot of fun. It'll be good for Lee because I think before the pair of Strickland, he was kind of running on fumes a little bit since he came into the promotion, so it's good for him. Strickland, as I say, I mean, I would be surprised if he wasn't right up there in the singles division, maybe a future TNT champion down the line. Um, yeah, there, there's a very, very high ceiling from AEW, which is great. Yeah, I, I could see him doing FTR and acclaimed at Revolution, potentially. They announced that one officially last night and when it's going to be. So it's going to be uh, March 5th in the Bay Area. Which I got to tell you guys, got some bad news about that one. I have tickets to see Bruce Springsteen on March 5th. So I will not be <laughs> able to watch that show live. I am not ditching out on a Springsteen concert, even for AEW. So I don't know what we're going to do for the post show on that one. I'll be watching that one on delay a little bit. But yeah, March March 5th is Revolution in the Bay. Um, so yeah, I think they should for sure carry the titles through there and, and potentially through May. We'll see, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that has kind of been the issue lurking in the background is FTR has got to become the champions at some point. So I think, yeah, you hold off on that match for three months till, till revolution. You know, we've got them working ROH and doing Japan so that they can, they can hold off a little while longer on that. But yeah, the gun club does have a win over the acclaimed, which I mentioned a couple of weeks before the all out match, which was why I chose Swerve in our glory to win that. So they can play a story there for a couple of months. Cause of course, daddy ass is always involved. I mean, whoever do that, but this, yeah, this you got to build. This guy would get. Yeah. It's, uh, right. I know <laughs> daddy ass or badass Billy gun. Who, who are you choosing? <laughs> He got just an unbelievable pop when he came out at the end of this match when Strickland goes to get out the pliers and he's going to go after Caster uh, like he did to Billy Gunn. And then he comes out to make the save. Um, yeah, that was that was a great pop. We were turning to each other saying, my God, whoever thought Billy Gunn at this stage in his career would be this over. But here we are. Yeah. Uh, Swerve wanted Keith Lee to use the pliers, but Lee threw him away. And, and then Strickland slaps Keith Lee. Keith Lee helps Bowens up and walks out on Swerve Strickland. And so, uh, yeah, then Bowens went for a schoolboy on Strickland, two count. Uh, Bowens reversed the JML driver into a blind tag to Caster. The acclaim hit their finish to put away Strickland, and they retained their titles. I I, I got to say, I was going to say this earlier in the show, and I forgot, and I'm going to mention it now. We got to start giving major props to Brian Myers and create a pro wrestler create a pro wrestling because when you look at some of these top stars in AEW, a lot of them have been trained by Brian Myers at create a pro you've got here, Max caster, you got hook, you got Chris Statlander and of course, MJF 
they all trained with Brian Myers. So, I mean, as one of the top, you got to start looking at this guy as one of the top trainers out there in the United States right now. I mean, a lot of the top star talent in AEW were trained by Brian Myers. So, uh, shout out to him. But yeah, this was a, a really, really good match in the semi main spot. So, you went from Storm and Hater to this one and then into MJF Moxley. So, you can kind of understand that when we started with that one, why the crowd was. A little out of it at the start of the main event. I mean, they were hyped up for the previous two matches. But yeah, I mean, that's we've gone through every match. That was the show. It was incredible show. As we said, it's an A show for me, A minus show, and in the mix for best uh, AEW pay per view of the year. Uh, do you guys have any other comments or any thoughts that we didn't get to in this discussion at all? And open it up for any discussion you have. See, so head nope. shaking. For me, it's just, you know, rest in peace, swerve in our glory. Gone too soon. I, I love that tag team. <laughs> yep yep the kobe and Shaq dynamic i know you would always mm-hmm. use describing them mm-hmm. which is interesting that you would like that because like, i know yeah as yeah. a celtics fan yes all right jesse what do you got coming at us we, we promoted episode 100 when you're on here the other day you guys um jesse recently recently celebrated 100th episode over on wrestling unplugged and undeniable so again big congrats on that any anything to promote jesse Twitter, as long as it's still there, Jesse C. Velasquez, <laughs> wrestling you and you. My article dropped this morning on SE Scoops. Funny how I always get the humongous Japan wrestling news. Right. Where it broke that for SE Scoops that Kenny Omega will be wrestling Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. And for me, that's a dream match and a half. I think, oh, oh my, I, yeah, I, I could be here for 10 minutes talking about it. I won't. So just go head, head there and then probably be dropping a podcast. I might have a slight wrestling hangover from what we've witnessed the last few days. So maybe towards the end of the week or the beginning of next week and probably going to drop a little 10 uh, year shield reunion knowledge on some folks because that group's always been near and dear to me. Very nice. Carl, you still got the podcast in the works. Is that going to be launching soon? I hope so, yeah. Unfortunately, I've been pulled away with exams with work, so um, I'm hoping in the new year. I was kind of talking with launching something for the World Cup, but I've just got to studying to do. I've got two different exams to do, and to be honest, I don't really want to promote a Qatari World Cup for various reasons. So I will be, um, I will not be like some of the hypocrites that we're seeing on the media at the moment. So yeah, hopefully, new year will launch. Um, yeah, so nothing to promote there. I will just say um, this will be the only pay-per-view I'll be watching in November because I didn't watch Crown Jewel, and I will not be watching more games. So um, thanks for the storylines going into that one, Triple H. <laughs> the brave new world is, is not so brave and not so new <laughs> in <Yeah>. Titan Towers. <laughs> well, we always appreciate having the chance to talk to you. We appreciate you being a, a strong supporter and a patron of the show, and uh I believe a, a shout out to Liam O'Rourke, who I think introduced you to Top Rope Nation. Liam did, yes. Uh, Liam, a combination of Liam and Podbean, the recommendation oh. to go two recommendations. This and a UK based podcast that's not so good and doesn't get yeah. listened to anymore. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, good to talk to you, Justin. Great to have you back on the show. I know we are going to be recording a new edition of top rope nation classics this week it might drop next week depending on how fast i can edit it there's always a lot of bonus audio in those shows but yes we will be uh talking about a little 1983 world-class 
wrestling from Texas here in a couple of days. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't believe I've ever actually seen it. So looking forward to it. Should be fun. Yeah. Well, great to have you back on the pod. I'm sure the listeners enjoyed it as well. So we'll be talking to you all again real soon. We got new shows dropping each and every week. Please subscribe on the podcast feeds if you are not already. Join the Patreon page if you want to hear those bonus shows. The link is here in the broadcast description. I will be probably midweek this week uh, releasing on our main feed the teaser of the Top Rope Nation Extra that Kyle did with Michael Jenkinson the other day on Survivor Series history. It's a great listen. So if you want to hear that, become a patron. And of course, subscribe on the YouTube channel so you never miss one of these live streams. So we'll be back real soon. Enjoy your week. Hope you enjoyed AEW Full Gear. We'll be catching you all again real soon. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park